I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Well, good evening, Kairos. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. Thank you. I've got a weird question for you guys to start off tonight. Um, Do you ever think about what your last words might be? I do, but I'm weird. Um, Matter of fact, I think about my death a lot. Um, I have somewhat of my funeral planned out, and I expect all of you to be there and say really nice things. Um, My wife always likes to tell me, you can tell me whatever you want. I'll do what you want when you're dead. Uh, Which is like, wow, it sounds like our life right now. So thanks for making no changes. (laughs) But honestly, like what, if, if you could know when your last day was, what would the last words that you would want to utter be? So I'm, again, kind of interested and obsessed with this. And so sometimes I collect people's last dying words. And so I just want to share some of those with you, maybe to prime your pump tonight to get you thinking in the right direction. Okay. There'll be some funny ones, some serious ones, and some inspiring ones, just so we're all clear about the direction I'm headed. Um, First, there was James French, who was executed on August 10th, 1966. French has been credited with these famous last words before his death by electric chair. How's this for a headline? French fries. I, I gotta be honest, like if you've done nothing redeeming in your life, at least go out with a funny line. Like James Rogers, to continue the theme of murders, um, was put in front of a firing squad for his crimes in a squad in Utah. And when he was asked if he had a last request, he replied, bring me a bulletproof vest. Sir Julian Huxley, an English evolutionist, biologist, and staunch atheist, is reported to have said on his deathbed, so it's true after all. So it's true after all. Famous French author, and uh, for all my French people of descent here, forgive me, but I'll try my best, Guy (laughs) Moussampon. Go Tigers. Um, Of whom it was said... Critics praised him with a stash like that. Who can't? Um, Critics praised him, men admired him, and women adored him before he went insane and died early at the age of 42 as the result of having contracted syphilis. He penned his own epitaph before he died. I have coveted everything and found pleasure in nothing. Voltaire, one of history's best-known atheists, Often stated by the time he was buried, the Bible would be non-existence. His last recorded words were, I am abandoned by God and man. I shall die and go to hell alone. Wilson Misner was a successful playwright. When Misner was on his deathbed, a priest came in the room and said, I'm sure you want to talk to me. Misner told the priest, why should I talk to you? I've just been talking to your boss. Classic. Harriet Tubman was dying in 1913. She was an abolitionist and a humanitarian. She was known as Moses to her friend as she championed the Underground Railroad and the freeing of slaves. And her family gathered around her deathbed and they began to sing. And the last words that she sung were, swing low, sweet chariot. Ludwig van Beethoven, who was on his deathbed, 
and by this time completely deaf at the end of his life is reported to have said, I will hear in heaven. And Martin Luther, the founder of the Protestant Reformation, simply said, Father, into your hands I commend myself. What Luther is echoing here is one of the phrases that we found in the Psalms that we understand that Jesus uttered as some of his last words, and that is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so that's what we've kind of been tracking as we're working our way through Psalm 31 is how do we commit into the hands of God everything that we are and everything that we will be, putting in his hands our spirit, our brokenness, and tonight our times. And so I don't know if that's what the psalmist was thinking when he was writing this psalm because there are certain parts in this where I don't think he thought he was gonna get out of this jam. Uh, He had a lot of enemies pressing in on him. He was saying terror on every side. He was frightened. And he was asking the Lord and saying, hey, I trust in you. You're my God and my times are in your hands, but I'm not sure if I'm gonna see tomorrow. And if I do see tomorrow, I'm not sure if it's gonna be any different than today but yet he still pressed on and he continued to believe how great is the goodness that God has stored up for us who worship him. So let's listen in together. Uh, Tonight it's Psalm 31 and we'll continue reading. We'll be in verse 14 through 19. Psalm 31, verse 14 through 19. Let me pray for us uh, before we read our scripture. Um, If you want, if you're brave enough, you can turn off your phone If you're not, you can just silence it or turn it upside down. Just want to give you guys permission to disconnect and not have to be so significant. If you would, just take a minute. We did this before um, as a worship team before tonight's service and it just was such a profound prayer exercise. I'd like to offer it to you guys. Whatever you're struggling most with to commit into the hands of God, your past, your present, or your future, or all three of those things, would you just take a minute and name what you're most fearful about and then commit it into the hands of a loving God? Did something happen a couple years back that's starting to creep up? Did something happen today or this week that you're not sure how you're gonna get through? Or is something coming that you're not sure you'll have the strength to meet it when it does? If you would simply say, into your hands, Lord, I commit my past my present, and my future. So Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Psalm 31 and verse 14. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. 
Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I've cried out to you, but let the wicked be put to shame and lie silent in their grave. Let their lying lips be silenced, for we're with pride and contempt. They speak arrogantly against the righteous. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. I say the word of the Lord, if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. So again, this is our progression. Uh, First week it was into your hands, I commit my spirit. Last week it was into your hands, I commit my brokenness. And tonight it is, my times are in your hands. So quite literally, you could be saying, hey, with your spirit, we were committing our present. With our brokenness, we were committing our past. And with our times in God's hands, we're committing our future. I think that's an incredible, holistic, robust way to look at our prayer life and our walk with God. And the text that that comes straight out in verse 14, I love it. It says, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God and my times are in your hands. So my question for you tonight, what are you most fearful about the future? When you think about tomorrow, a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, what is the thing that you're trying to place in God's hands, but when you do, you're having a tough time letting it go? Another question is, when you pray for your friends or your family, who's the person you have the most difficult time saying, God, their times are in your hands? We were talking about this as a staff because I have a bad habit. Sometimes when I pray, I give God advice. Now, I got no problems with praying specifically for hope and healing and having audacious prayers. I got no problems with that at all. I'm going to ask my Abba for what I want. But sometimes I feel like it's up to me to go, okay, how about this, then this, then this, and then this? It'd be great. Okay. If you need anything else, God, let me know. (laughs) You're welcome. And sometimes I think subtly our prayers are, are forms of manipulation and attempts at control. And I just maybe Jesus is a great way. Just pray for what you want and then just say, uh, not my will, but yours. And my times are in your hands and their times are in your hands. And it's incredibly nerve wracking and difficult for, especially for the people I love when I see them walking through difficult times or brokenness. But sometimes I wonder maybe the reason we struggle with committing other people's times to the Lord's hands is because we're not yet relinquished our control on our own future. So maybe if we start with ourselves, maybe that'll start to affect the way that we pray and pastor other people. And maybe when we represent God, we can just simply say, hey, I trust in you. You're my God and my times are in your hands. So, this, for those of you who are familiar, Kairos is the name of our congregation. That comes from a Greek word, which means timing. And so I don't think it's too far off that this Hebrew word could contain the nuances of the two Greek words, which there's two Greek words for time. One is chronos and one is kairos. For those of you who know this, forgive me if it's remedial. For those of you who have never heard it before, just ooh and all at my mastery of the Greek language. Um, it'll help wounds heal some deep insecurities in my life. So 
Kronos is time, TikTok time, mostly as we experience it. Kairos is God's timing. It's that pregnant pause before God just breaks out, before he spills out and heals and all of a sudden heaven comes crashing into earth and finally we go, now I've seen what you've been up to. And we get to jump in like a cannonball with our chronos and go, I'm in, let's go. What are we doing next? It's in Miami. It's what's those moments that we live for to be a part of God's timing. What will it take for us tonight to put both of those things in the hands of God? And I'd like to ask you, which one of those is harder for you tonight to say my times are in your hands? Is it your chronos? Or is it your Kairos? Because here's what's at stake. If we only put one of those things in our hands, so let's say, hey, I'm gonna trust God with my Kairos moments, but not my Kronos moments. What happens when we do this? We get bored, we get depressed, we get cynical and we get jaded. We fail to make space for God today and anticipating that he will act tomorrow. We fail to commit to routines and responsibilities because we will never be able to handle the future God is calling us into. I can trust God with my future, but my present just stinks. And I'm tired of doing all of this ordinary, boring, routine, disciplined stuff. When is gonna be my time? When is the breaks finally gonna come my way? When, God, are you going to release purpose and passion in my life? I feel like I'm punching a clock. I feel like no relationships are to be seen. I feel like no matter what I do, I can't get underneath from financial difficulty. And all of a sudden we begin to despise the ordinary when God is at work getting ready for the extraordinary. When we're not faithful with little, why would God trust us with much? And so many of us need to pray and to practice. You are my God and my times, my chronos is in your hands. There's some of us, I think, who we trust God with our chronos, our TikTok, but not our kairos, right? This looks like when we are faithful and we are dutiful and we know God ordains the ordinary. We are disciplined. We've got no problems with routine. We will wake up. We will rinse and repeat. As a matter of fact, we love routine. Don't you dare change it. Because I need to know exactly what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. And when I know those things, I am a much better Christian. We're faithful with today. But if we're honest with ourselves, we're fearful of tomorrow. And why is that? Perhaps it's because we can control Kronos. We can't control Kairos. And deep down, we may not be sure that if in God's timing, he's gonna take us to a different place and a different people, we really wanna do that. We're not sure if what we want is what God wants. And even if it is the same what will it cost me? And can I even wait on your timing to fulfill it? But what if we prayed and we practice? You are my God, my times, my chronos and my kairos are in your hands. Just some extra verses here that I think are really helpful. Again, if you're struggling with chronos, Uh, one of the verses says, let your face shine on your servant and save me in your steadfast love. If Kronos is just owning you right now, continue to cry out, Lord, I want your face to shine on me and I want you to save me in your steadfast love. 
If Kairos is owning you right now and you need to lean in to trust God with your future and with your family, how about this one? How great is your goodness that you have stored up for those who worship you? Because so many of us just think God wants to shame us and he's waiting to drop the hammer and he's waiting to punish us and he's waiting just to bring it in. What if we actually looked at it and says, oh my gosh, you have great things in store for me and for those who walk in your ways and delight in your works. And I want to start operating that you have a culture of abundancy rather than a culture of scarcity. So that I am freed up to move with your kingdom resources wherever and with whomever you're calling me to. That's fun to preach, but it's tough to live, isn't it? It's difficult getting in God's rhythm and his rhymes and his reasons. We see time, God sees timing. And oftentimes we're doing this awkward dance like, oh, sorry, stepped on your toes. No, we're not there. It's almost like a first kiss. You don't know which way to turn. We're not going to sling sloppy wet kiss, are we? No, don't worry about it. Maybe, maybe this will be a little bit more beneficial. <laughs> Sorry. Christian subculture jokes. <laughs> I, I so hope you didn't grow up in church and are lost as the day is long and are like, what is this guy talking about? Just come find me afterwards. I'll explain it to you and then I'll lead you to the Lord. Um, Is the, yeah, anyway. So uh, about three months ago, I got to go on a trip with my daughter, Addie Gale. Um, and we went to Daytona Beach and I was leading out at a church camp. And one of the biggest reasons I took this church camp was not because they believe in the gospel, but because it was at the beach. Um, and I only had to do evening sessions, which, amen, that's right. Um, so... Uh, that's, that's, my kids are going to wake up, wake up one day and realize all their vacations, their dad was on a trip working, but that's okay. Um, but we had the whole mornings off. And so Abigail had never been to the East coast before, uh, where there's actually real waves. She's more of a Destin type girl. And it's just, you get excited when the ripples hit your feet. So finally we hit some waves. So I, I grew up going to the East Coast. I went to school down in South Florida on the East Coast and fell in love with waves and surfing and all that fun stuff. And so she got out there and she couldn't wait to wade into the waves. And so we got out there. She's a little bit fearful. She's like, Daddy, don't get it more than an arm's length away from me. I'm like, it's great. But now we got waves. We're going to ride them. Okay. So I tell her what to do. I ride. I paddle into one, surf it, give the thumbs up, come out like 25, 35 yards down the shoreline. I'm going, yeah, dude, surf's up, bro. So I swim back out to her and uh, she's like, okay, I'm ready. And at first she takes off, like just full commitment. I said, here it comes. I turn around, she's already swimming towards the wave or out in front of the wave. Well, she swims too fast and too hard and she gets in front of the wave. Instead of catching it, it breaks on top of her slams her down, puts her in the drink, gets her all discombobulated, sand in your bathing suit. You ever, you ever have that happen? You stand up, you gasp for air, the next wave just punches you back in the face and you just, you're like, <laughs> Baywatch, Baywatch, save me. <laughs> so she's, she's a little bit nervous. Now she's holding on to me. I don't wanna do this anymore. I'm like, baby, you can do it, you can do it. Because um, there, there's nothing... Uh, better than when you partner with the raw energy and enthusiasm of a wave and it catches you and you go faster and further than you could possibly think was possible. 
So then for uh, about 20 or 30 minutes, she kind of lingered in between where the waves were breaking and where they were coming in. She was scared to try to take one, but then finally when she would, she would swim half-heartedly and she would kind of catch it. But the second she felt the wave drawing her into her momentum, she would pull back out because she was scared because she knew what had just happened and thought it was gonna happen again. But woman alive, when she caught her first wave, and she paddled into it just at the right time and it caught her and it catapulted her and it's cascading down around and I see her shoot out from the back of the wave down like this all the way into the sand of the shore. She's just flying flat like this, straight on the sand. (laughs) Turns around and gives me one of these and I'm like, yes, you did it. She comes sprinting back out and she's like, dad, let's do it again. Now I'm telling you, I love the beach. That girl wore me out. We were out there for like four hours. I'm reapplying sunscreen. I still look like a lobster back. I had to buy a surf shirt, right? Just because it was so bad. We spent so much time out there. She wouldn't give up. And even though she still would go for a while and play in the sand and make sand castles, the call of the deep waters now sparked her courage and it beckoned her bravery to come out when there are catchable waves. And that's my prayer for you men and women in here tonight. How much time and energy are we wasting on crafting sandcastles with all of our thoughts and our dreams and our anxieties and our fears, and it's gonna be washed away tomorrow when the call of God and his Kairos moments are calling to you to come out into the deep waters to discover his strength, to discover he is the source of power and presence in your life. But we do the same thing Abigail does, don't we? We've tried this before. We're overly anxious, we're overly committed and we start swimming straight out and we get ahead of God's timing and what we thought was gonna catapult us into a new future slammed us straight into the ground. And we stand up and we stagger, we're disoriented, we're frustrated, we're bitter, and we're distrustful about the next set of waves. And then a lot of us after that, we linger and we languish in between what could be and what is, waiting passively instead of patiently to partner with the waves of God as his work comes in in the forms of challenges and opportunities. But then maybe, just maybe, you start to swim just a little bit, but the second you feel that momentum drawing you in, so this could be bigger than me, this could be bigger than my, uh, that I'm able to handle in my own skills or strengths or finances, and the last time I did this, I got out ahead of it and it crashed me, we pull back out and then go, no, 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 that's not for me. But what would it look like this week, men and women, if we started to swim through some of our sadness and paddle through some of our passivity? to catch one of the ways of God and how he's working in your life. You see, when Abigail did this, you know what? She still messed up. I wish I could tell you there was a pain-free way to partner with God's timing. There just isn't. Sometimes we get it right and sometimes we get it wrong, but don't let it keep you on the shore. Get back out there. 
sometimes when you get out there, man, you will catch it and it'll be right. And so that time, if you get out in front again, it's no longer frustrating. It's freeing because you're learning where you need to be and when you need to be. You're starting to discern the spirits. You're starting to figure out what is my personal ambition and what is kingdom expansion. Sometimes she wouldn't get there in just the right time and she would pull out and that's okay because she knew that there was more coming. What would it look like this week for us to be the kind of people who were waiting on the will of God, not passively, but patiently and proactively? Where's the one place God's calling you? Start swimming. Don't plan it all out. I'm asking you just for one of these. Follow my word and follow my ways and you'll discover my will will compel and propel you to places you could never hope, think, dream, or imagine. So whatever you want your last words to be on your last day, maybe we should start practicing saying them every day. What would it look like if before your feet hit the floor this morning, you would just say, into your hands, I commit my spirit. What if what you really wanted to be remembered for, you actually started praying as the first thing of every day of your life and started living into it? What if days are actually the doorways to holiness? What if we didn't sacrifice tomorrow on the altar of today? And what if what we imagined we would be one day actually changed our behavior and actions today? But I say to you, you are my God and my times are in your hands. Amen. So let's take 120 seconds and listen in to what the Lord has for you tonight. We want to be the kind of people who can hear the word of God and then obey it. So if you can write this down, just ask the Lord, what's the one thing you brought me here tonight to say to me? And if you need some help or some prompting questions, just which one do you need more faith and more trust to place in the hands of God? Your time or God's timing? And just ask the Lord, what are you asking me to swim towards this week? Let's listen in together.